The following is a Thunderbolt West Media production. What will you do in 2022? This is the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. Peter cried out, we're all gonna die. It's my opinion that we all should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for joining me for another edition of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking about all things off-grid. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I really do appreciate it, and I appreciate all of the emails that I've been getting with all the comments and the questions, and one of the comments I want to address right now is they thought the show was getting just a little bit too political. And while I agree with that sentiment, I have to say this. We're living in such a weird world right now that if I'm here ignoring what's going on and advising people to, let's say, buy solar gear and get it all set up, and then we happen to have an EMP attack and it wipes it all out, then I'm not serving the people. And so if I think there's problems in the world that need to be addressed, that affect us all, whether we're off-grid or not, I'm going to talk about it. And I do that as a public service. Now, with that said, I don't want to be the smartest man in the room, and I know I don't have all the answers. If something really touches my heart and really stirs me, then I feel that I need to share it with my listeners, because I think that's what I'm led to do. And so 2022 is going to see this show grow, and it's going to grow in content as well as my personal growth as a broadcaster. I do appreciate everyone hanging in there with me with all the troubles I've had with my microphones and my software and everything the last several weeks. It's kind of been a nightmare, but I think I'm getting a handle on it. But before I get any farther in the show, I want to wish all my listeners the very best of 2022. I don't know what 2022 holds for us, good or bad, but I'm going to wish on all my listeners everything good. And I want to say a special thank you to those who have written me and who have donated to this show. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I really do appreciate it. I spend many hours researching material to share with my audience because I, first of all, I want to verify that it's true. I don't want to bring anything on here and mislead anybody. That's the last thing I want to do. And if I think it will affect me and I'm off-grid, then I think it's going to affect all of my off-grid listeners. And one of the things that I think that 
is definitely going to affect me is health care. Right now, there are doctors putting videos up all over on the Internet. They're being taken down almost immediately. They're being censored. But I'm seeing them before they get pulled down. And also, I have several alternative sites that I visit that do not pull down videos, that they leave them up. And there is doctor after doctor telling people, stay away from hospitals, stay away from doctors. The medical profession has been hijacked. It's now corrupt. Under no circumstances become a patient in a hospital right now. That may sound very extreme, but in my research, I have to say that these doctors are correct. Now, where will that put you? I don't know. I know where it puts me because I have medications I have to take for a heart condition. But can I trust the pharmacists? Honestly, can you trust the pharmacies as they are inoculating people with this experimental death jab and they're killing people? Can I trust this same guy that's going to give a shot to a five-year-old not to do something to my medication? Well, I hate to say this, but I've seen enough videos, especially out of Europe, that the pharmacists are indeed tampering with people's prescriptions. They're trying to add this graphene oxide, and we all know where that's leading. Nothing good, I'll tell you. So while that has nothing to do with living off-grid, if you do take medications and you happen to have a cabin somewhere and you're off-grid, you have to stay healthy to stay off-grid. If you're not healthy, you won't be off-grid. Simple as that. If you're 95 years old and you have to chop all your wood and pup all your own water, not going to happen. And so I want to keep all my listeners healthy. And so am I telling you to be afraid of your doctor? I think it's time that if you do have a doctor and if you do have to make appointments, I think it's time to make an appointment to talk to the doctor and be reassured because right now we're taking our life in our hands in a very corrupt and evil system. What I'm going to do personally is I'm going to go all natural. I've decided that that's my path forward, is doing natural, holistic medicine, herbs, and other natural healing plants. Will it work for me? I think so, or I wouldn't do it. But I am going to tell you this. I've seen so many videos and done so much research that me personally, I'll never set foot in a doctor's office again. These people have taken their Hippocratic Oath and thrown it out the window. Above all else, do no harm. They don't follow that at all. They're not following any creeds. They're not following any guidelines. They're making it up as they go, and it's all about depopulation. And in New Zealand right now, doctors are being paid to euthanize their patients at $1,000 apiece. So if they have 10 elderly patients they see in a day, if they want to make 10,000 real quick, they can euthanize them. It's getting really sick out there, folks. And they're finding all sorts of places where they're selling baby parts, and it's real. At first, I thought all this was just a bunch of hooey. More research I do, I know that it's real. And so in 2022, take care of your health. Eyes wide open. Don't trust anything or anybody when it comes to your health until your spirit tells you to trust. I know that's extreme, but we live in extreme times. Now, I promise you in this show I'm going to be getting into off-grid living. 
But that struck me so hard when in my research last night looking for off-grid issues to discuss, I kept getting bombarded with these doctors that are finally coming out saying, I don't care if my practice is gone. I don't care if I go bankrupt. I'm sick of lying to people and I'm sick of killing people. And you see 10 or 15 of those and you go, wow, uh, there is something up. And so anyway, take care of yourself and be very, very, very picky of what you put in your body. And if you've already taken the death jab, I'm very sorry for you, but you're going to have to do everything in your power to try to improve your immune system. And don't get any more shots. Don't get any boosters. Because this Omicron variant, they have found out through research, you won't hear this on mainstream news, this new variant is caused by the vaccine. And so by all means, avoid getting any more death jabs. If you've already had the jab, keep it at a minimum. But one is enough to kill you or harm you. I want to do a follow-up on a couple past shows. On my last broadcast, I talked about a new social media site called VeteranBrigades.com. I told you I joined it, and I told you I thought it was okay. Well, I've got to tell you that it is okay. It's very much okay. As a matter of fact, I've checked into it extensively. It's 100% for real, and it's got great people on it. So if you're looking for an alternative to Facebook, or any of the others, go to VeteranBrigades.com and check it out. I highly recommend them. And I have an update on the Cobb Cooker, C-O-B-B, Cobb Cooker. And to learn more about that, go to my website. I did a whole segment about the Cobb Cooker in a past show. And you can hear all of my past shows by going to Living Off Grid Show dot wix site w i x s i t e dot wix site dot com forward slash l o g show living off grid show dot wix site dot com forward slash l o g show and go to the episodes link and every episode of the living off grid power and information show can be accessed right there now getting back to the cob cooker update i've been using mine to bake with. I've baked cookies, brownies, cornbread, and we've been making pizza. And I've got to say, it's done great on each of those. But it takes some getting used to. After you get it all figured out and you get your system down, it is a very good cooker that doubles as an oven. Every time I get ready to get behind this microphone and host another show, I ask myself, What's the best way that I can truly be of service to my listeners? And sometimes I feel like I'm really making a difference. Other times I think I could have done better. But I'm my own worst critic that way. But I need to know what my listeners wish for me to address. What topics do you want me to talk about? And what aspects of living off-grid do you not understand or you'd like to have my opinion on? Please give me an email. That's at livingoffgridshow.com at protonmail.com, livingoffgridshow at protonmail.com, and send me your comments, and especially send me your questions. I really do appreciate that. Now, getting back to me putting the shows together, I want to make a difference. I want to have a show that gives you information that you can use. 
And one of the things that I really felt strong about was the unvaccinated people are becoming second-class citizens or outcasts worldwide. And I'm not going to make any bones about it. I don't care who knows. I'm not going to get vaccinated. No way. No way, shape, or form. And there's others out there who are just like me. And they may not live in an area or have a situation as good as mine as far as being able to avoid the jab. I understand many people are losing their pensions. They're losing their jobs. Before long, we're going to start losing health care benefits and maybe pensions. And if you have any kind of assistance, such as welfare or Medicaid or Medicare, I think if you're unjabbed, I think they're going to use that illegally. All this is illegal. They're going to use it to punish you, and they're going to take away any benefits that you normally would have coming. But it seems like no matter how much you try to stay isolated or you try to stay just minding your own business, taking care of your own property, raising a few animals, raising your family, not bothering anybody, looking up, you see the chemtrails, they're poisoning our air and water and our ground, and then you have mandates coming out that are totally illegal. Then you go to town to buy groceries or buy feed for your animals and find out that there's nothing on the shelves or they're having a hard time keeping them stocked. And you find out that no matter what, the world reaches out and touches you. So that's why I've been talking about worldly things on this show, because I know all of my listeners have the same concerns. And one of those concerns is about food. And after the break, we're going to talk about ways to assure your food supply if and when they tell you that you cannot buy food in a grocery store if you're unvaxxed. Broadcasting from the United States of America. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I understand being quarantined for health reasons. I do understand that. I think being quarantined is actually a very good way to control a pandemic or a virus or any other kind of health issue. But you never ever quarantine the healthy. This is all backwards. I've been watching video after video of people in cars for miles long, hundreds of people, if not thousands, waiting to be tested to see if they're sick. Now, I want you to think about this. All these thousands of people standing in line worldwide going to get tested to see if they're sick. Now, don't you know if you're sick or not, how you feel? And having this disease that's asymptomatic? Well, first of all, there's no such thing as an asystematic disease. You either have it or you don't. That's a phrase that's a total lie. There's no such thing as asymptomatic disease. And if there were, 
what's wrong with the disease that doesn't make you sick. It's a disease so bad that you have to go get tested to see if you have it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I wake up with a sore throat, I know I have a sore throat. If I break a bone, I know I broke a bone. If I have the flu, I know I have the flu. But yet, they've turned everything upside down. And unfortunately, this world is full of sheep. If you haven't realized by now how inappropriate the world has become, if you don't see that by now, you're never going to see it. So I'm going to be talking the rest of the show to people who see this. They see what's going on that's just not right. And one of the things that's not right is they're locking people out of grocery stores. You think about that. The health department doesn't want you to have food. The health department doesn't want you to have health care. The health department doesn't want you to have heat for your house or electricity because they're going to start using that as well as a weapon. I've seen, in the name of health, videos of very elderly women be dragged out of their bed after an operation and dragged out of their own home, down the sidewalk, and slammed into police cars. I've seen police beat people in the head without mercy until their heads cracked open. I see video after video worldwide of all this tyranny. Now, is that healthy for you? To have a billy club crack your head open? That sounds healthy. And just the other day in New York, a poor little five-year-old boy got hassled and harassed by about 10 or 11 cops because his parents didn't have his vaccine certificate. So they made him leave, and they were actually harassing a five-year-old boy. Boy, it takes a lot of big men to do that, huh? And this is just a special little side note to any policeman that might be listening. You guys better start cleaning up your own house because eventually people are going to have enough. I know I've had enough. And while I've always been pro-police, very much so, not anymore. And I'm not alone. And with that said, what happens if a policeman stops you in front of a grocery store and says, you can't come in here, you're trespassing? You say, well, I'm not trespassing. I came to get food. No, you're trespassing. They don't want you here. We're getting put into a caste system like in India. We're becoming what are called the untouchables. And any policeman that goes along with that order, they need to resign immediately because they're on the wrong side of history. All these people, all these tyrants, they're all on the wrong side of history. And I want to get back on topic here, and that's food. But after seeing video after video of policemen standing in the doorways of food stores all over the world, denying people their right to exist, is very frustrating and it angers me to no end. I just got through watching a bunch of these. Then I get behind the mic and I just can't help but tell everybody out there, whether you're off grid or not, they're coming after your food supply. And right now, The truck drivers going in and out of Canada, from the U.S. to Canada, have to be death-jabbed or they can't cross the border. They estimate that between 15 and 30 percent of the trucks are going to sit idle. We've already got supply shortages. You take 15 to 30 percent of the trucks off the road that's crossing the border, you're going to see massive hunger start in North America. And it's all by design. And you have the country of Botswana made it illegal to import fruits and vegetables. And the reason they stated publicly 
for not importing any food was to help the Great Reset. So don't think it can't happen here. They're starving out the Aborigines in Australia. The news media knows that all of this is happening, and they're not covering it. In fact, they're covering it up, which I think is criminal. Why am I talking about Botswana and Canada and Australia? Because I see a pattern. It's happening all over the world. And pretty soon we're going to have a worldwide food shortage in a famine like we've never seen in our generation, for sure. Probably a famine the likes the world hasn't seen in a thousand years is on its way. And I'm seeing video after video about the economy collapsing. Now, I don't know if I believe all these videos. I'm watching them. I'm considering them. But I know they're out there. And so I think that whether you're off-grid or on-grid, these are going to affect you. Now, getting back to the food. Now, I think it's urgent that you get a year's supply of food if you're going to stay unvaccinated. That's your absolute first thing you need to do. Now, why do I say a year's supply? Well, that gives you time to replenish your stock and also gives you time to find new places where you can buy food. And with that said, you need to find new places to buy food right now. Now, in my area, they have no intentions of locking down. They have no intentions of locking people out of grocery stores. But I've already talked to three grocery store owners, and I posed this question to them. I said, if a mandate comes that you have to be vaccinated to walk in the store, and I've been a customer here for years, are you going to allow me to come in the store and buy something? And I got various answers. I got one that was like, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, I understand that person's very busy running their business, and so I forgive them for being totally ignorant. But the other two said, definitely, we will not keep you out of our store. And so I think that we all need to start asking those questions. Earlier, I said we should ask questions of our doctors. We should also ask questions of our pharmacists and our grocers and our bankers and all the way across the board. It's time to ask questions because you cannot make good decisions for your family if you don't have the right answers. But you have to ask the right questions. If you live in an area where you can raise cattle or chickens or sheep or pigs, if you have an acreage, you need to match your livestock to the size of your property. But I highly recommend you get your own livestock for a food source. And that goes double for raising a garden. Buy your seeds now. Buy seeds enough to last you for two years and make sure you get open-pollinated, non-GMO, non-hybrid seeds. They're called heirloom seeds. That way you can save your own seeds to replant for future use. And a great way to store up a large amount of food is to use grains, dry beans, rice, dry corn, and things like that that you can grind yourself and turn it into either a meal or a flour. And if you don't have one of those old-fashioned hand-cranked grain mills, little feed mills, I highly recommend you buy one. And also on hand, you should have a stone mortar. And also you can make spices and use that to process your medicinal plants. I also recommend that you get to know local farmers in your area. That way, you can secure your food supply without going to a grocery store. Go direct to the producer. Make friends with farmers. Now, if you live in an urban area, let's say a big city, one of these that's a big blue city, 
I highly recommend you get out and you leave. I really do. I think things are going to really, really get bad in the cities. They're already so bad in the cities that there's no city in the United States that I want to go visit right now. And I've been to lots of cities in this country. Used to be kind of a hobby of mine as I would travel. I'd try to go to a different city and see new things. Not anymore. I've seen enough. The cities that used to be, they're different. They're inhabited by a whole bunch of different kind of people that have been brainwashed. And so if you live in those areas, you need to really consider getting out and getting out fast. And get to a place where you can grow your own food and know some farmers and do some things. One thing I want to make clear to all my listeners, there is hope. There always is hope. So if you go to your local grocery store and they say, nope, you can't come in. You need to just get in your car and drive away and go to plan B, which would be go directly to the farmers. But already have this in place before they tell you you can't buy food. That's the key. Prepare beforehand. Get it all laid out. Now, personally, I'm prepared. If they tell me that I can't go to another grocery store as long as I live, guess what? I'm going to be fine. And you can, too. So I think if you're willing to get out of your comfort zone and think outside the box and be relentless, then I think you're going to be okay too. And we got a whole lot more to talk about on the other side of this break. If you enjoy the Living Off-Grid Powered Information Show, I would ask that you consider donating to the show to help cover expenses because we don't get paid here. This is all done by donations. And we do not take anything online as far as PayPal or any of that because of all the censorship. Not that they have shut us off. It's just I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned way by mail, check, money order, or if you want to put cash in a secure envelope, we would appreciate any donation, any size. Just send all your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. That's Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143, and your support is greatly appreciated. Replace fear with faith. Replace pessimism with hope. And replace despair with determination.
and welcome back to part two of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun, and once again, I really appreciate you listening today. Now, on the first part of the show, I was talking about just issues, just things. The second half of the show, I'm going to get a lot more focused. And one of the questions I had in an email was to expound on what a doomsday vehicle is. And so I'm going to start the second half of the show, and it's going to be all about doomsday vehicles. Then I'm going to talk a little bit about gasifiers, the financial situation worldwide, and what we can do with our money. And I'm going to talk about the well-engineered and totally phony worldwide shipping problem. But first, I'm going to talk about the doomsday vehicle. What is a doomsday vehicle? That's a vehicle that does not rely on computers to operate. Any vehicle that was made before 1985 can be a doomsday vehicle. Some models are better than others. Doomsday vehicles can have electronic ignition, or they can have the points and condenser, but what they have in common is no computer. So I'm going to tell you what I think the perfect doomsday vehicle is. Since we're talking about a vehicle you may not use very much at all, don't buy something for comfort. Don't buy something for style. Buy something that's going to function and function with a minimum of electronics. So I would go back into the 1940s, 50s, or early 60s. I wouldn't get any newer than 1965. Now that's just personal. I'd make sure that it didn't have electric doors and didn't have electric windows. Nothing elaborate. Something bare bones minimum. Because if you keep everything bare bones, you have a whole lot less components that you need to protect. And let's face it, a vehicle of this age is still going to get hurt by an EMP attack if it's not properly prepared. So we start with an older vehicle that's bare bones, that has a wire to the ignition, wires for headlights, wires for turn signals, just the simple things. You don't need a radio. You don't need anything fancy. Just keep everything minimal. Now, if an EMP attack happens, a lot of those wires can get damaged. Matter of fact, most of them will get damaged. So you're likely to lose your alternator or generator or your voltage regulator. It might affect the windings on your starter and other electric motors. And so you can have severe damage in one of these doomsday vehicles if you don't take the right precautions. So the first thing you need to do with your doomsday vehicle is buy spare parts. Get a spare starter, spare alternator or generator, and if it's a generator, also get a spare voltage regulator. I'd also pack away a spare distributor that has a new cap, rotor, condenser, and points. Everything that you think that you might have to replace, buy a spare and store those spares in a Faraday cage. That'll keep them safe. Now, the wiring itself can be changed on your car. And this is one of the main reasons you need to keep it very simple with a minimal amount of wiring. Because you're going to replace the existing wires with shielded wires. You can leave the original wiring harness intact and not tear it out, but it will be disconnected. And if we have an EMP attack, it might be destroyed anyway. But if every wire is shielded, and I would not use spiral shielding, I'd use braided shielding. And every wire is of the correct gauge that has a very good woven weave of shielding. And of course, you would ground your shielding 
to the vehicle itself. That will help protect your wires and keep them from melting because the brunt of the EMP attack will be handled by the shielding on your wire. And every wire does not have to be shielded for you to have an operational vehicle. But know that any wire that's not shielded will likely be burned out. So at a minimum, I'd have headlights and taillights and your entire ignition system needs to be shielded. And if you can build a small enclosure over your motors, like a heater motor or defroster motor, you need to do that as well. And I would highly recommend you store your doomsday vehicle inside a metal building with the doors closed. Because if we have an EMP attack, who knows when it'll come. But I do know this. It'll be a surprise attack when it does happen. And so they're going to try to catch us all off guard. And so I would highly recommend that your doomsday vehicle be put up in a tin shed somewhere and just shut the doors and leave it. Make sure the tank is full of gas. Make sure it has antifreeze and water. Make sure it has spare oil and has everything else you may need. Jumper cables, chains, shovels. Make sure that doomsday vehicle has all of this. Plus, put a survival go bag inside that vehicle right now. And enough money and food and supplies to get you by at least a week. Have that already in your doomsday vehicle ready to go. Because if we have a crisis and you have to get out of there, you won't have any time to pack any food. So pack it now. While you have a chance, get your doomsday vehicle really truly ready to be a doomsday vehicle. And I wouldn't let anybody know you had it as well. Because we've all seen the flash mobs and we've all seen the criminals out there that are willing to steal anything. And so if they know you have a vehicle that's functional and theirs doesn't function, guess whose house they're coming to. So keep it to yourself about this vehicle. And if someone knows about it, just tell them you're restoring an old classic. But the main thing about a doomsday vehicle is the tires have to be good. I would have two spare tires instead of one. Make sure your jack is functional. Just make sure everything functions. And this doomsday vehicle has to survive an EMP attack, number one. You use that with shielding your wires and having spare parts and protecting this vehicle as much as possible from theft and EMP damage and anything else. You have to protect it because the only reason this vehicle exists is to protect you. And so if you value your life and your family's life, you should value the time that you put into your doomsday vehicle. Now, what would happen if you never use your doomsday vehicle? Well, the answer to that is great. I hope you don't. You should hope you don't. You should be building this with the idea that you hope you never have to start it. So you could buy an old car that the paint is bad, that the body's not necessarily great on, but has a good engine and good drivetrain. Just make sure it has a solid foundation. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to have the fanciest V8. It can be a six-banger. As a matter of fact, I'd prefer a six-cylinder because it's much simpler. But if you need more power, of course, you'd go with your V8. And also in your doomsday vehicle, I'd have a complete toolkit. Not just tools for your car, but a complete toolkit you can do anything with. I would include a claw hammer and a saw and a few woodworking tools in that kit as well. So in essence, what you're making is an insurance policy. And you're insuring the fact that if you have to flee, you'll have a better chance than almost anybody else in your area to actually be able to make it out of there. And so don't overspend on your doomsday vehicle because you may never have to use it. But don't underspend. Don't go halfway. Either do a doomsday vehicle and do it right, or don't do it at all. Now, what do I recommend? 
I recommend that you have a doomsday vehicle because I don't trust the world right now. And I don't think you should either. Another thing that I would make sure that I had in my doomsday vehicle, that would be a bicycle or a small motorbike, something you could stick in the back seat, or if it's a truck, you can put it in the back of the truck. Because if you're out with your doomsday vehicle trying to flee an area and you get into very heavily congested traffic and everything gets stopped up and you have to leave, let's say it's a natural disaster such as a tsunami or something that's going to come and really cause you harm and you have to get out of there, you need a plan B. And the plan B would be those other wheels. I would recommend a motorbike if you could. And on the motorbike or bicycle, I would have a small packet already attached to it that had some survival things in it, such as food and water. Let's face it, if you're going to go to all this work to build this doomsday vehicle and get it ready, it has to work. And every time I think I've covered this subject, I think of a few more things you need to do. Make sure that it has some extra fuel. Either install an auxiliary fuel tank so it can hold a lot of fuel, or find a way to safely have some extra fuel, like in the back of the truck. Make sure that you have enough fuel. You don't want to run out. And the last thing I'm going to say about a doomsday vehicle is personal protection. If you don't have a firearm, I suggest you get one and get trained on how to use it. Because legal owners of firearms are not the problem. It's the criminals who are the problem. It's not the gun. It's the criminal. And if you have criminals with guns that want your doomsday vehicle, and you're a good citizen with a doomsday vehicle and no gun, guess what? The criminals will have guns and your doomsday vehicle. So make sure that you have a deterrent. And I'd make sure you get the right caliber. And personally, if you're going to knock them down, make sure they stay down. I wouldn't get a pea shooter, but I wouldn't get something so big you couldn't handle it either. But train yourself on how to use it and practice when you can. And get good enough at it that if you have to use it, you'll be effective. And one last thing about that is your headspace has to be right. Never, ever pull a gun unless you're willing to use it. I'm a firm supporter of the Second Amendment, but I'm a firm supporter of all the amendments and all of our rights, because our rights are not given to us by government. We, the people, created the government. It's not the other way around. And we get our rights from Almighty God. We all have God-given rights. And we have tyrants out there that want to take away the Second Amendment and all the rest of our rights. But our rights were given to us by God. I'm going to take this time right now to say, if you're not right with God, you need to get right with God. Not just because our times are rough, because it's the right thing to do. And so I would recommend that before you do anything at all, do it very thoughtfully, but pray about it. Give the situations up to God and ask for His help. So I would say the most important thing you can do in any crisis situation is to call on help from Almighty God. And if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I think you should rethink that, especially in these hard times. I'm going to move on to a little thing I've done here at the ranch since it gets dark so early and I have to pump so much water for my cows that I'm going to have to add to my battery bank if I want to keep power till midnight. Because almost every night, when it gets to be 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 at the latest, we'll lose our power. That's just fine because I don't use electricity after that much anyway. But if I need electricity, I have my backup system, and I use my backup system sometimes to produce this show if I have to work late at night. 
But one of the things that I've done to supplement my lighting is I've hung two lanterns, just your regular old handheld lanterns. What I've done is I've hung two of them from my ceiling in the bedroom. And two of them will give me ample light to do almost anything I want to do. And what's even better is it's a heat source because those little kerosene lamps do throw out some pretty good heat. And last night was the first night I tried it and it got down to eight degrees. And I did not have to start my wood burning stove late to keep my house warm because it was warm enough. And the two lanterns I have hanging from the ceiling kept the room reasonably warm until it was time to go to bed. And so you may want to consider using lantern light at night if you're off grid to help save electricity, but also as an alternative heat source. It works pretty good. I almost forgot that I promised that I would give some survival recipes for food. And this is something that would be perfect for you to put in your go bag or your doomsday vehicle. It's called hardtack. Most of you have probably heard of hardtack because it was a staple in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and possibly even the Roman legions used hardtack. It's very simple to make. It's not very tasty, but it will keep you alive. They're very easy to make, so it only take me a minute to tell you how to make them. First of all, you get three cups of flour, one cup of water, and three tablespoons of salt. Put your flour and salt together and mix it well. Make a dip in the flour to make a bowl shape and add your water. Stir it in and work it in real well. You're going to have to knead this by hand and you have to work with it for quite a while until you get all the stickiness out. After you get the moisture out enough, it won't stick to a rolling pin. Roll it out one half of an inch thick. Cut it into squares about two inches by two inches. And take a nail and poke about a dozen holes all the way through it. Preheat your oven to 350. Put these on a cookie sheet and do not grease your cookie sheet. The grease will make the hardtack go sour. Bake them for half an hour. Take them out. Let them cool for about a half an hour. Put them back in your oven and bake them again for a whole hour. And then after they're done, just shut your oven off, but leave this hardtack in your oven and let it dry overnight. And then take them out in the morning. They'll be more like bricks than food. You'll be able to break windows with it or break your teeth out but they will keep you alive. And best yet, they have a shelf life of many, many years. And so this is a good thing to have with you. You don't have to worry about it spoiling, and it's a tried and true method that's been used for generations. One topic that has been on my mind for a long time to put on this program is how to build a gasifier. And first of all, I have to tell you what a gasifier is. What a gasifier is, is a method of extracting the gas that happens naturally in wood right at the burning point. Right before it starts to burn, it throws off a gas. And it's a way to capture that gas and route it to your engine and run your engine, your gasoline engine, off of gas made from wood. So you would call that a wood gas burner. It is very effective. It's been done for years. It's one of these things that, through the years, has been shielded from the public. If you can make your own fuel to go up and down the road, all of a sudden, you don't need Exxon or Mobil or any of them anymore. You are your own fuel company. Now, those of us that make our own electricity, 
we're our own electricity company. And so the next step in the evolution of us becoming truly off-grid is making it so we're not dependent on anybody for fuel of any kind. And the gasifier is an absolutely astounding invention that was invented many years ago. It's really something that this part of history has been shielded from us so thorough that most people have never heard of a gasifier. But yet in Nazi Germany in the 1940s, they ran some of their panzer tanks off of wood gas. And a lot of their trucks that they used to haul supplies and also personnel burned wood gas. And almost the entire country of Japan relied on wood gas all during World War II. As a matter of fact, before World War II, there were truck manufacturing plants in Europe that made trucks with gasifiers straight from the factory. I've seen photos of the assembly lines with hundreds of trucks waiting to be finished and assembled, but all of them had a gasifier on it. Do gasifiers work? Yes. Are they safe? If done right, yes, very safe. Do they smoke everything out? No, they don't, because they run really clean. Because in essence, what you're really making is natural gas. Because the flame that comes from this wood gas is a beautiful blue flame, just like natural gas. Now, the secret of a gasifier is having an extreme amount of heat in a small place. You have your charcoal wood on top of that getting superheated. As it gets superheated, it releases the gas. That's what you're capturing. You're not capturing the flame. You're not capturing the heat. You're capturing the gas that's released from the wood as the wood hits that perfect temperature. And they're not easy to build. In fact, they're very hard to build. It'll take you a while. So if you don't have any skills in metalworking, if you're not a welder, you can put one together without welding. There's plans out there that you can make gas fires out of almost anything. But know this, the better gasifier you have, the cleaner the gas you're going to make. And if you do not produce clean gas, you're going to gum up the valves in your engine and actually do harm to your engine. So you just can't build this gasifier willy-nilly and make wood gas that's real dirty and run it through your engine. I see lots of videos on the internet where guys use something as simple as five-gallon buckets made out of metal and a few tubes, and they make a gasifier, and they start running engines off of it. The problem with that is they're not going to run the engine very long because they're running a lot of contaminants right through their engine. So a big secret of a gas fire is being able to scrub that gas between the heat source that's producing the gas and your engine. You have to have a series of filters. And some of the most effective filters I've seen are metal barrels that are filled with hay. And you might say, well, gosh, that's going to catch on fire. No, it's not. Because like I say, if you build a gasifier correctly, you're not going to have any issues that way. I've seen other filters where they run the gas through water and make it bubble through the water, and that finishes the cleaning process. And so there's lots involved. And so you're going to have to do a lot of research. But most people don't even know that gasifiers exist. But I would imagine that everyone knows someone who is a welder. So if you know someone who's a welder, 
you can visit with them about building you a gasifier. But know this, if someone else builds it for you, it's not going to be cheap. To buy the materials is not going to be cheap. And so you're not going to build a gasifier and use it once and say, I don't like it. If you do that, you're wasting a whole lot of money. And so I think if you're interested in creating your own fuel so you can power your own tractors and your own cars and pickups, again, they have to be gasoline-burning engines. If you're truly interested in that, go on the Internet and do a web search for gasifier and then hit the videos link and then watch as many videos on it as you can. It won't take you very long before you understand the principles of how a gas fire operates. But know that there's lots of videos up there done by people that want to build a gasifier as cheap as possible and as fast as possible. And those homemade-looking gasifiers that don't look quite right, well, they will work. But like I say, your engine won't last very long with one of those. And also, if you build them wrong and you allow oxygen to get into the system, they can explode because you are dealing with the gas. You are making a fuel. And of course, this fuel is going to be very flammable. But if you take the proper precautions, you'll have no trouble. You have to make sure that the system is 100% totally airtight. From your firebox that creates the gas all the way to the engine has to be totally airtight. There are great sources out there on the internet. There's a site that I want you to visit. It's called driveonwood.com. Driveonwood.com. And they have a community forum that's just absolutely awesome. And everyone on this forum is extremely helpful. They're very good people. And so after you watch your videos and after you start finding out what a gasifier is, go to driveonwood.com. Then you'll learn a whole lot more from some very nice people. Now, there is a book that I'm going to recommend. I own this book, and I haven't done anything with it yet because, frankly, I've been too busy. But I've been studying this book, and it's going to take a while to build this gasifier. But it's called the Keith Gasifier, K-E-I-T-H, the Keith Gasifier. And it's most likely the best gasifier plans that you're going to find. Now, the book is not cheap. It's not horribly expensive either. But the book is very well done. And it's written by Wayne Keith. And Wayne is a man that's had gasifiers on his pickup trucks for many years. And he's really learned the secrets of how to build a gasifier. And if you buy a copy of this book, which the title is have Wood Will Travel, Complete Plans for the Keith Gasifier. Again, the book is called Have Wood Will Travel, Complete Plans for the Keith Gasifier. And it's an absolutely wonderful book. And Wayne spent many years perfecting his gasifier. And so you don't have to go through all the trials and troubles that he did of making it work just fantastic. And Wayne has no issues getting his vehicles up to highway speed because the way he makes wood gas, you don't lose a whole lot of power. And that's one of the things about running with propane, natural gas, or this wood gas, is that there is a reduction in power as compared to gasoline. But if you follow the plans that Keith has for the Keith gasifier, your power loss will be very minimal. 
But this book is so well written, and it takes you step by step, has lots of pictures, lots of plans. Like I say, the book is not cheap, and you can get a copy of this book at thedriveonwood.com. Matter of fact, I would say that this book is considered the Bible of gasifiers. And so do your research, see if it's something that you can physically do yourself, or if you can afford it, have somebody build it for you. But if you don't have the skills, it's going to be very hard for you to make a very usable, worthwhile gasifier. But most of the folks off-grid are very inventive people. There might be someone out there that might look at this book or look at the plans or look on the internet at some of the cheaper, more homemade gasifiers and come up with middle ground. And you might be able to build one out of materials you have on hand because it's just metal. You don't have to have anything really special. You have to have a filter, which some people use hay, and some people use water, some people use both. And then you have to have metal, and then the ability to put the metal together. Everything is really spelled out in this book, Have Wood, Will Travel. There's other plans out there. Even FEMA has plans. And from what I gather, the Keith gasifier took the FEMA plans and took them to a whole other level. And so there are plans out there other than this Keith gasifier. But I'm going to tell you that everyone who runs on wood gas just raves about the Keith gasifier and how well it works. Now, with that said, you could probably buy an antique vehicle with a gasifier on it if you happen to live in Germany or Japan, because several companies made gasifiers commercially in both of those countries in World War II. And there's lots of museums in Germany and in Japan that have vehicles that have gasifiers attached to them. And there will have to be some modifications to your vehicle, but very minor. And I see some people put gasifiers on trailers, and they pull them behind their car so they don't have to do hardly anything special to their car. You just have to have a long tube that runs from your trailer all the way to your engine. That's the only drawback. But I suggest to my listeners, at least know what a gasifier is. Know that they're out there. And there's lots of alternative ways to make energy. And that's the great part of being off-grid, that you get to explore all these awesome ways to make your own power. Before I run out of time, I said I was going to talk about some of the banking issues that are happening right now as a possible devaluing of our money and the collapse of the whole economy. Do I think that's going to happen in 2022? Well, it might, because Evergrande defaulted on their loan, and they're just a huge company in China. And since the world economy is all interconnected, and it seems right now that since the Chinese make so many of our goods, having their economy collapse is going to cause a ripple felt around the world. So what does this mean for you? I'm not sure what this Evergrande collapse is going to mean to us personally here, but I do think it's going to contribute to the food shortages, and I think it's going to contribute to empty shelves and all sorts of things. And there's a good possibility that our money will be devalued. And so anything that you're thinking of buying that you really need, not something you want, but really need, let's say uh, some survival gear or personal protection or something like that, go ahead and buy it now. I highly recommend that you make your major purchases that you're going to make, make them now. Because I don't think your money is going to be worth more next year than it is right now. So do I think there's going to be this great big collapse? Personally, yes, I do. 
I'm not predicting it, but all signs lead to trouble with the world economy. And I think that spells trouble for us. Now, I'm not anti-bank, not at all. As a matter of fact, banks are vital. But I think right now we need to be cautious. And it's better to be safe than sorry. Now, you can still do business with your bank and keep your account active. I'm not saying to close your account. But make sure that you have a cash reserve that you can get at 24-7 in your home. And the last thing I'm going to talk about this show is the supply crisis. We have huge issues everywhere as far as this supply crisis goes. It's all contrived. It's all man-made. None of it has to happen. And these stupid vaccine mandates are making things worse. You have truck drivers that will no longer drive the trucks. You have dock workers that are being fired if they don't get vaxxed, so most of them are walking off. So you have skeleton crews everywhere, and the people who are there have been vaccinated, and the vaccinated are falling ill at a tremendous rate. They're having their immune system erased. So you have a bunch of people who are potentially ill trying to do all the work. That alone causes a great big snag in the supply chain. You add into that the default of Evergrande, then you add to what's happening right now in Australia, that if you're not vaccinated, it is illegal to take your grain and sell your grain at the elevator. And so with these supply issues, what do you do? Simple, stock up now. This show is available only by your support. And I really do appreciate those who've donated to keep this on the air. Your donations are always appreciated. And you can do so by donating by check or money order or cash in a secure envelope. And you would write your check out to Thunderbolt West Media. Thunderbolt West Media. And you would mail that to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska. That's Hershey, Nebraska. And the zip code is 69143. Again, 69143. And if you'd like to contact me, send me an email at livingoffgridshow at protonmail.com. And make sure you check out the website, livingoffgridshow.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E, wixsite.com, forward slash L-O-G show. Thanks for tuning in today, and until next time, be safe, be well, be prepared, and most of all, replace fear with faith. And so until next time, this is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.